Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 218 and this episode is with physical performance coach at Malmo, Jamie Mackay. Jamie came on and we discussed some of the benefits that he's found from moving abroad for work. We discussed the process of being an intern through to full-time employment. Then we went into detail around the ACL rehab process, return to play from ACL. Jamie gives some of his um, his experiences working with players through an ACL process. He also gives his own as well because it is an injury that he's actually experienced. So he speaks about how that impacted the work he did with players as well, speaking from experience. And then we also touched on a side hustle that Jamie has, has got set up as well. So anyone looking to do that or running something on the side, I'm sure that'll be a real area of interest for you as well. I do mention in the podcast that Jamie obviously works alongside Mark Reed, who's over at Malmo as well. I referenced Mark's episode in the podcast a few times. Now, he has been on the podcast a couple of times before. So if you want to go and listen to it, there was the most recent one was episode 172. And also, Mark was one of the very first guests on the podcast, so way, way back on November 2018, he was actually episode five on the podcast as well, so you can go back and listen to those episodes as well with Mark Reed. I've been promising for a few episodes now that we are going to have some details for a 2023 networking event, and I've finally got one confirmed for you. So on Tuesday the 31st of January, 6 till 9 p.m., We're going to be at Huddersfield Town. I'm really excited for this event at Huddersfield. We've got three brilliant presenters. We've got Head of Physical Performance, Paul Bauer. We've got Head of Academy Physical Performance, Luke Dobson. And also we've got Callum Adams, who's Head of Strength at Huddersfield as well. They're all going to be presenting for us. The topic of the evening is going to be based around the alignment of performance and development within professional football. There's going to be three different presentations from the lads as well and loads of great opportunities to network with fellow practitioners. So go to footballfitfed.com, click the shop tab and go to networking events. Tickets are now available there. They are early bird tickets at the early bird price. So go and confirm your place at the event and you'll get it for the cheaper price for the next few weeks. Now, just before we get into the episode, I want to say a massive thank you to our sponsors. First of all, Hytro. Have you ever tried blood flow restriction for recovery? Hytro have developed the world's first BFR wearable, unlocking the recovery benefits of BFR to support athletes. BFR is no longer just for one-to-one physio or rehab. Hytro allows teams to use this safe and scalable sports BFR device post-exercise to dramatically enhance recovery. Whether in the changing room post-game, during away game travel, in the hotel or at home, Hytro has created a simple and effective tool that allows BFR to be delivered to athletes and squads simultaneously, safely and more conveniently than ever before. So make sure you go to hytro.com, that's H-Y-T-R-O.com, or you can email Warren, that's Warren Bradley, on warren at hytro.com to find out how Hytro BFR can give your athletes a competitive edge. And I know we do get a few questions off the back of Hytro sponsoring the podcast, um, so if anyone is interested, I do say that to go and speak to Warren um, you can use his email there to get in contact with him. There's some brilliant 
squads and teams that have signed up to the Hydro and really enhancing their recovery with some of the um, products that Hytro have available. So make sure you go and check them out. They are at Hytro over on social media as well. Also, a huge thank you to Rezzle as well, doing some incredible work around virtual reality training, some great work that they're doing over at Rezzle. So make sure you go and check them out at Rezzle over on socials. And let's get into episode 218 with Malmo's physical performance coach, Jamie Mackay. Rezzle is the world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Whatever your team, your sport, your ability, improve your game and train like a pro. Rezzle, rezzle. Reactions, performance, accuracy, stamina, resilience. Train at home in the Rezzle Sports and Fitness VR Training Arena. Search Rezzle, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. The world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Available now on MetaQuest. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 218. I'm delighted to welcome on to the podcast today, Jamie Mackay. Jamie, how are we doing? Very good, thanks, Ben. How are you? All good, thank you, mate. I feel lucky because this would probably normally be you being in a, in a different country, a slightly different country, which we'll get into in a second, but I've caught you back in the UK. Yeah, no, it's uh, nice to be back for a Christmas break. So back home with uh, with mum and dad at the moment. Uh, enjoying some some time off brilliant mate brilliant well we'll get into your role and where you're based um in a second but we always start in the same place on the podcast so can you go into a little bit of background on yourself yeah so i'm uh yeah from england obviously um went to school here studied uh uni here i was at st mary's up in uh, twickenham um and i did uh yeah strength and conditioning science was the, uh, the correct term of the course and uh, did that for three years um, yeah was kind of messing about with some internships during that time but yeah nothing too too serious really um, and then yeah kind of it was getting to the end of my degree and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do I knew I wanted to work in in professional sport but that was it was kind of my only only goal really I didn't have a, a specific sport to work in or or a location um that I wanted to wanted to be in um but the other thing was I wanted to travel so uh, those were the two two kind of big big factors for me um and then yeah I think it was it was maybe May so a month or two before we were we were finishing uni and um the uh, the university sent out a an internship opportunity in Sweden and uh, so that instantly took my eye I'd never been to Sweden before and uh, it was a it was in a, a professional club in uh, in Malmo um, for a year and uh, I thought that would be uh, kind of perfect really a bit of both the professional sport and then and then the travel um, so yeah I applied applied for that and um, yeah had a had an internship interview with uh with mark and ben um and then uh i think it was six weeks later and i was on on a plane out to sweden so it it all happened uh quite quickly after uni um yeah and then um had yeah planned to be there for a year and then a year turned into a a six-month extension and then that turned into a a four-year contract and then another two years and five and a half years later and i'm still there so uh it's been a, it's been an interesting journey, um, 
but I am yeah very grateful for the uh, the experience that I've had moving abroad and and yeah kind of immersing myself in a in a different culture uh, and yeah obviously working in pro sport has been uh, has been really really interesting and I mean myself I'm not a football guy I played rugby growing up so it was a bit of a culture shock <laughs> uh, first, first few weeks certainly um coming into the club but i've definitely learned a lot from uh from ben and, and mark over the years um, so it's been for me it's been a, a really great experience I, I don't think i'd have done it any differently yeah brilliant mark's obviously been on i was going to say recently it's probably a while ago now that his last episode was actually on so he discussed some of the work that's going on over in at Malmo. But in terms of your role, Jamie, what's what's your role and what does that include at the moment in terms of who you're working with? So my current role, I've, I've been with the first team for the whole uh, five years. Um, my current role, of, I guess last year, it kind of transitioned more into like a rehab S&C coach role. Um, so yeah, since, so this whole year and, I've been yeah kind of responsible for the the return to play side of things and and kind of bridging the gap between the physios and and getting the guys back into into full training. Um, so that's yeah that's been really interesting for me. That was before that it was it was kind of more assisting role and and kind of just yeah helping out where I, where I was needed and yeah assisting with the. The team trainings and and getting the guys prepped for training and, and the gym sessions and that kind of stuff. But the, the last few years, I, I've kind of feel that I've had more responsibility in terms of uh, yeah, actually being responsible for a specific part of the process. Part of that rehab process, we're going to get into in a little bit as well. But in, you just mentioned then from your rugby background. I'm guessing that was like a playing background, was it? Um, yeah. yeah. What and the culture shock of stepping into football? What were some of the initial shocks for you then, coming into football? So, I mean, the first one was uh, I think I'd been here maybe a week or, or two, and I'd seen the schedule. Ben, who was my boss at the time, um, showing me the schedule, and uh, I asked him, "So, when are we going to do the gym sessions? When are we going to fit those in?" And he he was like, "Well, we've got a game." on Saturday, we've got another game on Tuesday and then another game on, on Saturday. So <laughs> how would you put them in? And then I was kind of thinking to myself, oh, oh no, <laughs> there's no gym training here. What what am I doing? But then it was it was kind of that learning process of uh okay, in those congested schedules, the gym is not such a big uh or doesn't have such a big role in, in terms of uh especially when when you're in the thick of the season. I joined in yeah in June, so it was it was kind of that European um, qualification process. So we were traveling, um, yeah, every midweek to to uh, different clubs in Europe. And um, so that that was kind of the biggest the biggest shock for me is that there was, uh, yeah, a lesser focus on uh, on the strength training side of things coming from that rugby background where they're, they're in the gym two or three times a week. Um, so that that was the biggest uh, biggest shock for me, um, yeah. And then and then kind of from there it was the process of learning. Okay, when can we fit these the sessions in if we need to, and and do we split the group up into the starters and the, the non-starters and the non-traveling team? And okay, maybe we can train with those guys here, and then uh, if we can get the starters in 
later on in the week or, or looking towards next week and, and kind of manage, managing it slightly differently rather than having that yeah, kind of one-size-fits-all approach. Yeah, I always think it's interesting speaking to people from different sports, different experiences, because the world of football is a, a strange one, isn't it? Like you say, with, with fixtures and many other aspects to it as well. So it's, I think it's really refreshing sometimes to get a different set of eyes on the challenges that people face. Um, and I'm sure there are some of the conversations like you just mentioned then with Ben and Mark, and um, I'm sure they appreciated your um, input on it as well. Yeah. No, it's, it? uh, it's been it's been a really interesting journey and and I, I wouldn't do it any differently now I, I don't think I'd I'd go and want to go and work in uh, in professional rugby now because I've kind of immersed myself in the football side of things and and uh, and now I feel like I have quite a good good understanding of uh, of managing that process and, and yeah and, and organizing the training around the football schedule because obviously that is priority number one is is winning yeah. the games um but it's it's been a really interesting uh interesting learning process for me that's for sure and with that move jamie obviously you mentioned before that um we've spoke on the podcast recently about getting your personal values in check and really thinking about what you want out of a career and you mentioned straight away from the get-go that travel and traveling was part of that so with the move out to sweden what have you felt have been some of the, I know it's hard to compare because you've not stayed in the UK, but in terms of with that move, what have you felt of some of the biggest benefits from going out there? Um, for me, it's the big thing about moving abroad was just, yeah, kind of immersing myself in a, in a different culture. And I um, I went traveling after, after school. So between school and uni, um, I went down to New Zealand for nine months. And, and kind of did the same, played some rugby out there, found a job, met some friends, made some, uh, yeah, new memories, which was which was good. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that that kind of experience of, of going somewhere completely different, not knowing anyone, and then having to, uh, yeah, almost start again in terms of uh, building your social circles and things like that. So um, that was kind of, I think it was from that, traveling experience that that drove me to yeah kind of want to go and see more of the world and, and live in a new country um so that's been been really powerful for me um and then yeah the other the other thing is obviously in new zealand they speak english in sweden they don't <laughs> so, uh, it was the first six months i was there we had a, a swedish manager so all of the meetings was in swedish everything a lot of the the players were Swedish as well, so everything was was kind of Swedish. And I was, uh, yeah, kind of sitting there pretending to listen to the conversation and <laughs> actually having no idea what was going on. Um, and then I'd always have to ask Ben. So what was what was that about? Anything I should know? <laughs> um, so that was that was interesting. And it, I mean, even now my Swedish is awful. <laughs> I'm uh, I can understand a little bit more, but it's uh, nowhere near where it should be for for being here for five years. Um, the good thing is now that we do have more of an international squad and uh, we've had a few international managers in over the last few years so the club's kind of shifted to being more English speaking um, which is great for me but it's not great for my Swedish learning yeah yeah. <laughs> so, uh, 
yeah, the language, the language one is, uh, yeah, the language learning at least is, is kind of dropped off on the priority list. Um, and the other thing is in Sweden, everyone speaks perfect English. So yeah. You walk into a coffee shop and I try and practice my Swedish ordering <laughs> in, uh, in Swedish and then uh, they understand that uh, I'm a foreigner and uh, it's not my, my best language. So they'll just reply in English yeah well, okay what's the point <laughs> so, um, yeah that that's um it's been interesting having to yeah kind of attempt to learn a new language at least i was never very good at school so i mean all of those years of french and spanish learning it went straight out the window and it was now i kind of wish i'd focused a little bit more <laughs> on those those uh classes um but yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's been a really good experience, kind of moving away from from England and yeah, I guess yeah, starting again really, building a new friendship circle and, and uh, yeah, immersing myself in in the Swedish uh, culture. You've you referenced that obviously immersing yourself in in the culture over there, but also with the travel, and um, like it's not something personally I've done, but I know a lot of people have done it, and it's. It is putting yourself out there to a point, isn't it? And you you put yourself in a position similar to, I suppose, learning a language where you have to go and create relationships. Do you feel that before you went traveling, you were you had that sort of skill or attribute of being able to create a relationship or a friendship like that? Or did that really come on and, and be created when you were away? Yeah, I think... I was, um, I've always had like a, a close knit group of friends from, from when I was yeah, young, really young junior school. So I never really had to go and uh, branch out almost and, and, and build those new relationships. But yeah, for, for me, doing, having that experience and going away and having to do, um, do all that kind of thing, I found that that was maybe something that I was actually quite good at. And, and that's then transitioned into into the football side of things and being able to yeah build relationships with the players and and kind of communicate with them on on a yeah maybe more more friend to friend level rather than coach to athlete uh, mm-hmm. side of things but it's there's always that balance of uh, okay don't get too close with the with the players you still have to be in charge and and that kind of thing so um yeah, for me, for me now, I look at it as a it, as one of my skills. I can, yeah, kind of go and immerse myself in in a different um, culture, and I'm I'm very comfortable with being able to make friends quite quickly, and and I don't see that as a as a a big challenge for me anymore. But I I do think that experience of going away after school before uni was did really help with. Uh, with yeah, I guess developing that skill and uh, or actually figuring out that I could actually go and do that, having not had to do so much of it before. Yeah, a couple of I was going to say a couple of episodes ago with Max Kane, we spoke about sort of non-specific environments for developing yourself as a practitioner, and that's basically what that's tying into, isn't it? Like, I'm sure at the time playing rugby in New Zealand, you weren't thinking when I'm going to be in Sweden with a team of footballers this is going to be the this is going to be some of the skills that I'm going to utilize 
But it's being that sponge in that environment, isn't it? And testing yourself and stepping outside that comfort zone of putting yourself in situations where you have to do it. And that doesn't obviously have to be traveling to the other side of the world. It might be in a certain job um, doing whatever where you, you're slightly uncomfortable and developing certain skill sets. Exactly, yeah. Or, yeah, starting a new sport, joining a new sports team and having yeah. to make, make those relationships and, and, and friendships there. And um, I do, yeah, I do really value that as, as one of my uh, one of my skills or abilities to, to do and, and yeah kind of I would feel very comfortable being dropped in in, in any location and and yeah be able to figure things out and and make some friends and yeah yeah real how have you found that process because you mentioned about some internships early on and then getting into full-time employment obviously over there over in, over in Sweden with Malmo and with the practitioners that you sort of mentioned already, how's that process been for you? Um, yeah, so both my internships were in rugby, um, so that kind of ties back into the the story of when are we going to do the strength training? <laughs> <laughs> it was um, yeah, they were both part time. One was at a local school in uh, in Twickenham while I was at uni. Um, and then the other was with the university team. So, so those were the guys that I was playing with, um, and I was I was kind of managing their their strength and conditioning. Um, so, one of those the the one with the the uh, university team that was I was the lead of that. So, yeah, that was kind of my first lead role where I was responsible for actually designing the program, managing the program. And, and organizing everything and looking back now I would have done things so differently I uh, almost cringe at <laughs> looking back at the old programs that I'd written but then we'll see in the old videos of the, uh, that we had of the from the training um, and then the the other thing that ties into that is I was I was part of the team so I was supposed to be doing the, the SNC stuff as well and I wasn't I was just coaching as a, a good coach should do <laughs> Um, but then I ended up tearing my own ACL and <laughs> any strength training for the year, and so that was a that was a a bit of a nightmare, but a, a good experience, I could say. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So then, kind of having done that before I'd started, it was it kind of gave me an idea. Okay, this is how I would do things, and then seeing how things were being done at Mamo. it was um it was interesting to see the difference so uh, that was kind of the the um yeah the, the learning the learning side of things for me was uh yeah seeing okay what works what doesn't work how can we uh, adapt this to the environment we're in now um, but I, yeah i do think that I would if I had gone back and, and done uni again I would have tried to immerse myself in some more different sports or more internships and, and uh, yeah gone out and, and uh, tried to get some more experience really. It's hard at that point though isn't it because you being in the position now five plus years into a role where you sort of know the things that you're one going to be responsible for on a day-to-day -day basis also probably the stuff that you want to that you're interested in and, and know that you've got to get better at 
it's kind of like at this point now, that's when you want that experience, isn't it? Because all the education, because that's when you, you know what specifically you need. Exactly. Exactly. And, and when you're at uni, you, you, you're kind of not thinking that far in the future. Yeah. Thinking maybe six months or, or a year into the future. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, I don't, I mean, you do, you do get presented with the opportunities or I did at least at, at university and it was, it was kind of like, I, I wasn't really thinking about that. And it was, it was more, well, I'm still not really sure what I want to do after uni. So, uh, yeah, I guess I'm lucky things turned out the way they did. And I was able to, to have that internship, um, lined up after uni and, then lucky again to, to have it turn into a full-time role um, where I have been able to sharpen the saw, as they say, and continue learning. Yeah, definitely. It's amazing to see all the practitioners that are signing up recently to our online community. We've got practitioners from literally right across the world, right across the football world from all different levels, countries, different leagues. So it's amazing to see. There's so much content online I've spoke to a lot of people recently about all the all the presentations and webinars that are available. You've literally got all the presentations from our networking events, including coaches like Tony Strudwick, Damien Hughes, Don Scott, Matt Taberner, John McMahon, and many, many others as well. All at the touch of a button on our community. So go and check it out. Go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab there. Sign up, register there, go through the full registration process. It will give you one month free on the community so you can see what it's about. After that free month, it is only £4.99 per month going forward. And you do get access to our members WhatsApp group where there's some brilliant conversations going on recently around all different challenges that coaches are facing and just a, a massive group of coaches and practitioners right at your fingertip on your phone that you can ask questions to, you can troubleshoot with and a really, really valuable resource for all of our members. So go and check it out, footballfitfed.com. Click the community tab, get yourself signed up there and claim your 30-day free trial. Here's part two of the podcast with Jamie McKay. You mentioned there about your own ACL. Uh, I'd love to know the percentage of coaches that have actually been through an injury like that because that's probably where you do the most learning as a coach, isn't it? When you have to sort of go through a process like that yourself. 100%, yeah. Um, but on that as well, I know I know we spoke about this before the episode. I know you've you've been through a few rehab processes, processes of an ACL with a few players now. So I thought it'd be good to sort of jump into this and go through some, maybe some initial learnings that you've taken from the the players that you've um, helped rehab. Yeah. So, yeah, we had, uh, I think it was two, 2019, maybe. Um, one of the guys who was out on loan had done his ACL and uh, he was the first um big injury that I was responsible for. So that was a big turning point in, in my career, I feel, from going, being an intern and then being an assistant role to actually having some responsibility for, yeah, for returning a guy from an ACL injury. Yeah. Uh, now, I when I did my ACL, I didn't do the rehab as I should have done. Um, <laughs> the prehab or the rehab. <laughs> Exactly. It was it was a lot more of uh, experimenting with things and yeah, trying out new uh, new methods and, and exercises. Um, 
but I, I think the big part of, of an ACL is the the mental side of things and and actually um yeah because as soon as you you do it you think oh it's nine months that's such a long time and it, and it is for in a footballer's career um so having that experience and having been through the the process of returning from injury despite it taking a lot longer for me than it should have um i felt like i could almost relate a bit close more closely with the with the uh the players go, going through that process um so yeah so that was kind of my first um yeah big responsibility and yeah to be honest i, I felt a little bit out of my depth and there was that imposter syndrome kind of kicking in in um telling me well you couldn't do your own acl so how how can you be responsible for someone else's <laughs> um, so there was yeah a lot of reading around the the subject and um then i, I came across um obviously matt taverner's work the control to chaos t uh, continuum and that that was really really helpful um for us and then from that we we kind of myself and mark developed uh uh yeah a system i guess and and we took that that idea, the control to chaos idea, and applied it to everything. So the technical drills and and um, yeah, technical drills, and then um, the acceleration, deceleration, change direction stuff, and and kind of developed a process of, of how we can progress each task through that continuum. So um, so having done that, then then um, it kind of helped me with the the guide because then everything's uh, everything felt kind of laid out and structured in in a nice perfect way and obviously you start with the plan and then after the first session the plan goes out the window and you start to change things and adapt it to the athlete um, but having that structure in place was was really valuable for me um, and yeah I wish I'd I'd had it when I was uh, doing my own rehab but you can't uh, have everything um, so yeah so that was um, once we'd got that in place, I, I felt much more comfortable taking this this guy back through the uh, through the process. Um, and then, I mean, the big thing for me is is once you you get them back into the team training, and and then back to playing, it, I felt it was so rewarding as a mm -hmm. as a coach having seen them from the very beginning all the way through, and then back on the pitch and and scoring goals and performing their best. That was, uh, yeah, I felt very, very, very uh, proud of, of the athlete for the amount of work they put in. And, and uh, yeah, so that, that was a, a really big part of my career. Um, and then, yeah, since since then, we've had um, a few more, unfortunately, ACL injuries. But we've been able to, or I've been able to refine the process a, a little bit more and, and adapt it to each athlete each time. And, and um yeah, so now I'm starting to get to the point where I do feel very comfortable in that situation, having that responsibility and managing that process. So has there been a much more sort of minor tweaks and changes to that programme once you'd utilised that system? Obviously, Matt's controlled to chaos and you, you agreed that with Mark. After that, when you had these other instances of players going through the process, was it just a case of just minor tweaks to it from there? Exactly, yeah. 
some some guys move through it a little bit more quickly than others and and others we spend a little bit more time at each stage um but the yeah the kind of the pathway was there it was just adapting it to to the individual athlete and, and how they were responding to the the different drills and, and the sessions uh, overall so it was it was really useful to have that in place before starting it and then it's you kind of get the feedback loop from each time once one guy goes through it then we can relook at it and see what worked and what didn't work for that athlete and then and then maybe make some adjustments the next time someone has to go through it touch wood uh, we don't have any more but <laughs> yeah definitely but you've mentioned there about um different players going through it and obviously different players going through it brings different personalities and You've also said about the sort of psychological side and the fact that you can relate to them is one thing, but also it's dealing with each individual, isn't it? Uh, like you've got players that are going to be re reacting completely different ways depending on maybe their history. It could be the first ever injury. They could have had the injury before. So how have you found that in terms of that support network, I suppose, you have to be for that player as well as all the technical side and creating the system. You have to also be that support for them as well, don't you? Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, I think for for anyone who d does do their ACL, it is it does almost feel like the end of the world when it first happens, and and you do feel so far away from being back playing again, and and obviously for them it's their career, so it's uh, it's um, yeah, it kind of does rock the boat for them a lot. Um, so yeah, for me being in that position where where I'm kind of working one-to-one -one with them and, and able to, again, back to the relationship side of things, develop or strengthen the relationship that I've built with them around that side of things. I think that really, really helps with the process. And, and obviously it's, it comes down to building trust with them. So they, if they trust that, that you know what you're talking about and you know the process and that, that you've been successful with the process before then then everything gets gets much easier um, so yeah i think uh i think for me it's it, the yeah the experience of doing my own acl was uh at the time not great but in the long run now now it was it was so valuable and i don't think i would change that actually mm -hmm. yeah so it's it's um it's that's been important for me and is there any instances that the program needed changing because of players reactions to it and i don't necessarily mean physical i mean more sort of the mental side was there any points so you don't, don't obviously have to name names or anything like that but was there any times that you just had to change it because the player wasn't reacting the way you wanted them to um not so much because they weren't reacting the way we wanted them to but more we had to change it based on how they were performing at each level. So some guys moved through um, each phase a lot more quickly than others. Others we had to spend a little bit more time um, building up their capacity at, at the specific um, at the specific levels. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, it was each one is different, obviously. Um, but for, in terms of the, the structures pretty much stay the same from yeah high control all the way to to uh high chaos yeah um, and yeah so the the um it would just be the 
moving them through at different speeds. So maybe we'd spend six sessions on each phase with one athlete and then four sessions on each phase with another. It would, it would kind of depend on on their injury and how the uh, ACL was repaired and, and what kind of uh, specific details we needed to, to take into account um, based on that. And then again, the, the age of the player obviously plays quite a big factor in that and part of their career or um, what, yeah, what part of their career they're in affects it whether whether we're pushing them back to to get ready for the last season or or we have a little bit more time and and less stress um so with yeah with some of them it was it was like they were kind of coming back towards the end of the season so that meant okay we could take things a little bit more slowly because we've we've got the whole off season and, and pre-season to get ready for games and and with others it was it was like our target would be beginning of the season so then maybe mm-hmm. we'd have to move things on a little bit more quickly and, and get them ready for for yeah the beginning of the season so it's situational things that, that kind of played the, the biggest role in uh, in how we were going to progress each each guy through that if you were to give a couple of pieces of advice from your experiences over the different rehabs that you've done jamie if there's anyone listening maybe that has possibly going into a process with a player or during a process or maybe just for the future as well, what would be maybe a couple of things you'd, you'd highlight for them or a couple of top tips? Um, I mean, for me, I think the most important thing is is using the, uh, the staff around you. So uh, keeping close contact with the physios and, and the other performance staff and, and the coaches as well. And yeah, kind of keeping everyone in the loop about, what the plan is and and are we pushing them for or when are we when are we trying to push them back for and how are we uh how are we progressing from the um the physio side of things and and how the athlete is responding to each session so um yeah keeping those lines of communication communication uh very open Um, and again even with the athlete as well um so making sure they understand the process and 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 where they are and, and where they're going because I think that is very beneficial for them if they can see the plan and see where they are now and where they're going. Um, I think that helps reinforce the, the idea that they're not actually that far away from from being back to where they need to be. Yeah. That and then, yeah, obviously reading the research. I don't think you can read enough around uh, ACL injuries and, and obviously there's always new stuff coming out and new ideas around... Uh, how things should be done. Um, but I mean, it's always an experimental process. So, so some things obviously don't work in, uh, in uh, certain environments. So it's, it's, it's kind of about experimenting um, with, with what you think works and, and how your philosophy is around, around the, um, the subject. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's that multifaceted pro- approach. Definitely. No, that's some great advice, mate. Just before we move on to some of the quick fire questions, Jamie, I know um, another thing we were going to talk about is the side hustle that you've got going on. So I think this will be really beneficial for coaches because a lot of people will talk about this, but actually putting it into action and creating a business like is a whole other thing, isn't it? So can you give a little bit on 
what it is in terms of the side hustle, but also how you went about creating it and, and how it's running now. Yeah. So um, everyone always talks about the importance of having that side hustle income to uh, yeah. Yeah, protect you against the uh, the, the nature of, of football, I guess, because um, ultimately we don't know how long we're going to be in a position. Um, so I, I've always had this idea that I wanted to, to do some stuff on the side. Um, and I think it was it was last year, around this time last year, where I really started dedicating some time to it. And uh, and for me, the, the biggest shock was the amount of new things I have to learn about. So everything from the marketing to the sales process to the legal side of things and, and even down to managing taxes, I had no idea what I was doing with any of it. Um, so it's yeah it took me it was last year maybe yeah 11 months before i actually uh got around to getting everything ready to go and and releasing something um so it was a long process and and a lot of my learning this year has been around that the business side of things and and um, yeah setting up a business and and being able to market something that and actually sell something that, that is going to work so it, it was it was far more yeah far more skills than i was kind of expecting i, I assumed it would just be string conditioning and then someone's going to buy it but <laughs> um, so that that is something that i'm uh, i'm really excited about now is is yeah kind of understanding that process of, of being able to take an idea and then figuring out how to take it to market and how to actually sell it. And then now is, is the process of actually fulfilling on that, the promise and, and uh, yeah, kind of managing my time alongside the, the work. Um, so it's been, it's been a, a learning curve, that's for sure. And, and uh, I think we're kind of getting to the point where I understand what's going on and, and how to manage things. Um, but I wouldn't say I'm anywhere near perfect. So again, a lot of uh, a lot of reading around that and business podcasts and yeah, learning that kind of things. I think uh, yeah, the main the main thing for me is I wish I'd actually started it this time last year and, and actually just dove in and uh, yeah, because I think I'd be in a much pe better position now. But it's um, um, Stephen. Pressfield talks about it in the war of art. It's the, um, what does he call it? Resistance. It's the idea of, okay, you're not ready to do it now. You can do it later. And um, it's, yeah, kind of pushing that to the side and, and just getting on with, on with things. And I mean, there's, there's plenty of resources online that you, that you can learn how to do it. And, and um, yeah, so for me, that was, uh, it's been a, an interesting learning experience um, but yeah i wish i'd i wish i'd started it sooner is it it's a funny one isn't it because it, it's kind of like what we touched on before with getting like the first role getting exposed to the first rehab process like you're never fully ready are you like you need to you've got to kind of learn on the job to a point so if what i'd say is if people have got ideas you need to get started with it don't you because otherwise it can just be an idea that runs and runs and runs forever and you don't actually do anything exactly and the more the more people you read about as well, the 
um, of starting businesses, they, they've all had that period where they've learned a hell of a lot of lessons. Yeah. So you're not in, you're not by yourself, are you, when you're going through that period? No, exactly. I think no one knows what they're doing when they start. No. And the trouble is we see on Instagram these days of people running successful businesses and you just feel so far away from that. And I guess it's the same as the, the ACL stuff. When you first get injured, you're so far away from playing. Yeah. It's, it's about chunking it up and, and taking it in small steps and, yeah, working towards that goal each day. So, if you've, yeah, managing your tasks, really, and, uh, and finding out what, what boxes you need to tick for that day and, and, and doing them and moving through the process. There's also that uh, sort of swan analogy of a lot of things you see, isn't it? That on the surface, things look great, like everything's moving. It's it's the business that I want. They're running the business that I want, but underneath, it's just chaos. Exactly. And yeah. and that's like, it's hard to know sometimes unless you truly know someone, isn't it? Like that's, I suppose that's part of social media that you see a, a snapshot of what's going on without truly knowing about the, what the business is doing. No, exactly. It's just the highlight reel on socials. So. Literally that. Yeah, literally that. With with that, Jamie, as well, because there might be people listening thinking, with with my job, like where am I going to find the time to um, put any time or effort into something it, it, like external or away from what I do? What would be your advice from that? Like, where have you where have you found that? Yeah, so for me, I'm also learning this currently. Uh, so it's it's we're in the off season now, so I do have a little bit more time to dedicate to it. But I think starting small is better than not starting at all. So, I mean, you don't have to run a massive business along alongside your work, but yeah. by starting something, you can kind of figure out, okay, how much time do I need to dedicate to this process? And for everyone, it's, it's a learning curve and it's a learning process. And it's going to be, it's going to be different depending on what kind of business you want to run and, and how you want to run it. And, will dictate how much time you need to spend to it but no one really knows until they actually do it and until you refine the process obviously as you you grow in, in the business and, and you get your systems in place you can kind of reduce the time it takes or the time you need to spend on it um, but at the beginning there is there is a lot of learning that you, you need to go through and that does take up quite a lot of time um so, yeah it's it's for, for me it was it was kind of um i i enjoyed that, that process i mean it was you'd get back from work and it would be late and and then you'd spend two or three hours reading about business side of the marketing and the, and the sales process and okay setting up a website or or um yeah managing that kind of kind of thing so i i I didn't really see that as work at the time. It was more, it was more learning a skill. So for me, um, for me, I really enjoyed that process of, of, yeah, learning about something I knew nothing about. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's obviously, there's obviously a passion there for you to learn, isn't there? So what you're doing there is you're creating time. You're creating opportunities for you to to get in stuck into the research or whatever you need to do, and that's the thing, isn't it? When you've got something that you're passionate about, you will find the time. If anyone watches anything on Netflix or spends any time on social media, we've got some time to do something. Exactly. So <laughs> it just depends whether you want to or not, doesn't it? And that's that's yeah. probably the difference. Yeah, it's choosing how you spend your time. Hundred percent. 
Yeah, hundred percent. If you can get through the whole game, Game of Thrones or something like that, you've got plenty of time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. mate, quality. Let's get onto some of the quick fire questions. You've mentioned already a few influences, so I'm sure the like likes of Mark Reed and Ben and uh, probably Matt Taberner and others as well will be included in this list. But is, are there any other influences that you feel have really impacted your career so far? Um. Yeah, I mean, I feel Carl Dietz. His uh, his work has uh, has uh, had a big impact on me um, in terms of how how we kind of do things. Um, yeah, and then uh, yeah, I guess that would be. It. I mean, obviously, you read books and stuff from around around the SEC side of things, and and I quite enjoy the. Um, is it the advanced principles of SSC? Those those books that kind of break it down into chapters, and then uh, you can kind of get through it in bite-sized chunks. Um, have been pretty good. Um, Martin Bouchette, as well as uh, I really enjoy his stuff on on the um, uh, high-intensity interval training. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I guess those those would be the big ones for me. Brilliant. And what would you say your biggest skill or biggest strength is as a practitioner? I think it, yeah, it, it is that relationship building and um, the stuff that I've learned in my personal life and, and being able to take those skills and, and apply them to to the yeah, professional setting and building those relationships with athletes where they, they're at a point where they're willing to trust you and, and believe in what you believe in and your, the process that you're, you're taking them through, I guess. Real. And if you were to speak to Jamie back in New Zealand playing rugby, about to set out on this SNC career, what would be your top bit of career advice? <laughs> I know it's not that long ago as well, so we're not talking like years no, and years no. ago. We're only talking a few years ago. I mean, for me, it would, it's, it's the experience. So go and work in as many different sports as you can and, and get as much experience as under your belt before you're at a position where you need to or before you leave uni really that that would be the big thing for me immerse immerse yourself in uh, strength and conditioning and, and sports science and, and see as much as you can and, and learn as much as you can before you're in a position where you actually need to find a job You've just talked about learning there. So the one I always finish up with asking is your approach to CPD, continued learning. How do you go about that? Is that is that something that is obviously is a real focus at the moment because we've sort of touched on it already. But just on the back of that as well, I'm going to get a couple of um, recommendations from you, whether that's for S&C or whether that's for business as well. If you could give a few of those, that's just for personal interest. <laughs> yeah. So... Um... SNC side of things, um, um, yeah, podcast is probably my go-to for for learning. Um, so obviously this one, Football Fitness Federation, is is a great resource. Uh, Can you tell a Baden? And I enjoy the uh, PC Performance podcast as well. Those are those are probably my go-to for for SNC side of things. Um, and then in terms of the business side, I like uh, Alex Hormozzi, the game. Um, that's that's very good. Um, and then my first million is also quite interesting. I've heard about this. I've not listened to it yet. No, there's some really good guests on. Um, 
yeah, business entrepreneurs and, and it's really interesting to kind of see that side of things. Granted, they are running multi-million dollar companies, but it's uh, it's always good to have a vision. Yeah. And there's lessons in everything, isn't there? Exactly. exactly. Who runs that, Jamie? Uh, Sam Parr and Sean uh, Puri. What's the name? But yeah, it's, Don't know them. No. I'll check that out, though. And then um, a new one I've been listening to is Mastery by Mark Coles. It's, it's, oh, it's, yeah. Yeah, that's that's very good. And that's more kind of for the people who are looking to start out in a business and, and start running things. So um, those those three have been, been very useful for me. Awesome, mate. I will check those out. So thank you very much for sharing those. Jamie, that's been class. And just finally, mate, if people want to reach out with questions um, or they just want to chat to get advice on anything, where would you direct them? Uh, Instagram's probably best for me. It's uh, at Jamie Mackay underscore SC. Perfect. Yeah, most active on there. Brilliant, mate. Well, thanks a lot for freeing up some time. Hope you have a good Christmas leading into, into next season as well and all the best going into next year. Good stuff. Thanks for having me on, Ben. Really appreciate it. No problem, mate. Thank you for listening to episode 218 of the podcast and big, big thank you to Jamie for coming on as well. Go and give him a follow over on Twitter, Jamie Mackay underscore SC and over on Instagram, exactly the same, Jamie Mackay, all one word, underscore SC. I think the first takeaway for me, this is in line with a few conversations recently around thinking about your personal values And Jamie mentioned very early on in the episode that he wanted to work in sport, but also he wanted to travel. So they were two things that obviously checked off with the the role at Malmo. Really, really important because not everyone's going to be falling into the same bracket. But he sort of determined those very early on in his career, which meant that when the role came up, it was obviously that fit. Whether he realised it or not, whether it was planned or not, it was obviously something that fit at that time. So I think that's really important initially. I think the other thing is when he touched on his side hustle and some of the things that he's got going on away from the club, starting small is better than not starting at all. He used that quote. I'm not sure if he quoted anyone in particular, so sorry if it was, but I think it's a great quote because we can get caught up in that loop of, oh, I should do this, I should do that, I'll do it soon, Um, I'm too busy at the moment, and all the rest of it. But if you're wanting to do something like that, you do just have to get started It's something that we talked about with the whole ACL process. At a point, obviously I'm not saying you just go into it with no education around certain topics or anything like that, but at a point you do have to get your hands dirty, you've got to get involved, you've got to make mistakes and learn on the job to a point. Um, And I think this is the same with starting anything like that. It's really important to get started. You're going to make mistakes, you're going to learn a hell of a lot along the way, and you're going to realise a lot of areas that you need to work on. But you're not going to know that unless you get started. So I think that's a really, really key lesson to take away from the episode with Jamie. And a big, big thank you for him coming on the episode and jumping on the podcast. I think it followed on really nicely from the episode with Mark as well, speaking about all the great work that's going on over at Malmo, um, which is great to hear. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, I always ask for reviews. So if you've not left us an iTunes review, there's been a few new ones going on recently. So please head over to iTunes, drop us a five star and a short comment. I really would appreciate it. And also just finally, make sure you go and check out Rezzle. 
they're doing some incredible work around VR and they're literally all over the world. I try and keep up on socials about where they're going and who they're working with, but it's really hard because they're literally everywhere. Um, but the guys are doing some amazing work. So go and show them a little bit of support by giving them a follow um, commenting on, on, on some of the work that they're doing as well. I really would appreciate it. They are at Rezzle over on socials. Thank you again for listening and I'll speak to you again next week in episode 219.